So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. And, you know, it is almost a month and a half now. We've been, we've been sitting at home with bad haircuts, COVID-19. Finally, as of today, 4.30, we're starting to see some relief in sight. People or states are starting to slowly come back to life. And I sure hope that, uh, that we do. And, uh, you know, we've, we're all in this together. I think we're going to get through it, but um, some of it's a little harder than others. And it, it, it's just crazy. It's crazy what's going on. With that said, a couple of things, man. I, I think there's, there couldn't be a better time to get in the multifamily real estate industry to like to start moving towards that spot. I think you'd be a fool not to jump in like full, full fledged, right? I would actually, I mean, that's, that's my advice is get going, get started, start learning. And with learning, uh, I would love to give you guys some uh, free education. So if you'll go to Kahuna Wealth Builders, you can download my quick start workshop. It's a video series of how to find deals, how to find money. Um, It's all yours for free. So go ahead and opt into that if you'd like. We also have a sell on our Kahuna boardroom. Our Kahuna boardroom is our three-day live event and it's really a uh, very there's nothing for sale at that event you can't buy anything and it is a intensive it is three days of us me coaching and teaching no fluff just content just meat and potatoes all three days um, and we've had great testimonials and things like that so if you'd like to learn more about that go to kahunaboardroom.com uh, we're having a special right now for five thousand uh, dollars we'll have a payment plan available for you normally is $7,500 to get in. And we're only allowing 60 people to come into the event. After 60, they were not allowing any more. So uh, seating is limited. And the reason why we do it this way is because I like to give. I like to give myself and my, my time and my energy. And I think 60 people is about the right size. We've had them a little bit smaller. We've opened it up to a little bit bigger because we feel like we have the team at bandwidth to do so. And we've also cut an event to like, we used to do this three times a year. Now we only do it twice a year. So with that, uh, the 60 people is the max amount of people will let into that boardroom event. And we'd love to see you there. And then the last thing is if you'd like to learn how to, or to be passive investors with us, we have a process to get to know you. And it, it's really, you go to kahunainvestments.com and click on uh, join the Kahuna deal room and start that process and that journey with us. Uh, we have, uh, we'll send you some emails. We'll get to get to love on you. We'll schedule a one-on-one with you so we can talk to you and talk about your investment goals and strategies and tell you a lot more about us and our company and what we do exactly. 
Um, and that's actually with my wife. My wife runs that part of the business. So you get to meet her and listen uh, about her stories and then, and, and what we really do. So our next guest, uh, the guest that I have on today is actually is really insightful. He's going to give us a lot of good information. Um, his name is Michael Becker. So Michael is a principal at SPI Advisory LLC. Um, he has in uh, he heads in Dallas, Texas, as uh, where his office is at. He really derives the stakeholders' value through hands-on asset management, construction oversight. Their multifamily focus only enables them, you know, to get better pricing and I think at value and risk to identify projects with superior risk uh, adjusted returns. So he's been doing it for a while. He comes from a background of lending. Um, he's uh, has been a lender for a long time. He's got a lot of insight into that. So Michael is a lifelong resident of North Texas. And he also has a very successful podcast. It's the Old Capital Podcast. And, and you're going to learn a lot of information there. So I really highly recommend you taking a listen to his podcast and getting to know Michael a little bit more. I think you'll find that him and uh, his partner, Paul, uh, they really have a, a whole lot of wealth of information and that would be really valuable to you. So let's get started. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show, brother. Corey, thanks for having me back. You know, uh, you know, last time we talked, uh, way different times, way different Definitely. times than what we're currently in. And I think all my listeners would love, you know, you own, you know, quite a few, manage quite a few properties. Love to hear your perspective on what's going on and what's your take and what are you doing and just, you know, what's what's your business look like now? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, we own currently about 6,000 units. Uh, so I'm based in Dallas. So we have a bunch of stuff up in North Texas. And, and uh, Central Texas as well. So Dallas, Fort Worth, and, and Austin, we own a handful of deals in a, in a secondary market uh, in East Texas. So Texas centric, and uh, there's definitely been been some interesting times. I mean, I guess if you would have you would have pulled me on what's going to cause or be the pin the pin that pops the bubble of the economy. I wouldn't have picked a global pandemic that shut the entire economy down. So uh, you know, really, we're part part of the part of how I feel, Corey, is I've been, never been never been uh, you know more bored and uh, and not a whole lot to do. At the same time, you know, you're you're, you're sitting there just kind of trying to get dollars in the door. And uh, you know, we record this the last day of April, uh, so you know, we had a pretty successful April from from that standpoint. But you know, that's really kind of what I'm doing is just trying to focus on getting dollars in the door and kind of reporting the news to my investors and my lenders and and uh, you know a few various stakeholders along the way. Yeah, I think that's the communication right now is key, right? Like, and really, so like this next month coming up is a big month to see what happens. And so I've already actually told my investors that, uh, you know, in about five more days on the, on the fifth, I'm going to give them a kind of a status report, see where we're at. Right. Cause uh, I mean, we don't know how bad it's going to get. I, I don't you know, uh, what is your portfolio looking like in, as far as that goes? Is it, I mean, is it, yeah. I mean, you, so, so yeah, you know, we actually think. Yeah, definitely for a hundred percent. So if you would ask me thirty days ago where where I sit, I thought it'd be far worse than we are. So we we finished up April. Uh, we have kind of today's today's results. We should be about two point three or two point four percent delinquent. So you know, yeah. collected almost ninety eight percent of the scheduled rent. So that's you know a that's, normal month for that's us. About exactly where we're at too. Like that's, yeah, a normal month for us about a half a percent delinquency. So you know yeah. it's up four times maybe or so, or so or normal, but. All things considered, it's a huge win, a huge success for us. And I think, you know, as we go into May, you know, I'm about to find out here real, real quick how smart I'm going to be in my prediction. But I think we're going to deteriorate somewhere, say, between fifty to one hundred percent on on collections. So, meaning, 
if most people kind of finish around three or four percent, if you finish at three percent, I think it'll be somewhere between four and a half and and six percent, at least in Texas. Um, and you know, probably probably some of the markets that you're in. I think if you're obviously in California or New York or some of the more uh, landlord uh, unfriendly environments, I think I think the deterioration could be a little bit worse. Yeah, yeah. Legislation right now, if you're in the bad states for legislation where they're trying to um, you know rent controls and, and telling you when you can and can't evict and all that stuff like that, but even though, I mean, but most people are actually being, uh, you know, we, we have plans and I'm sure you do too on how we're handling certain cases. If you have a, a hardship, you know, we just want to, we want people to prove it. Right. Yep. Yep. No. So I think we, we certainly in, in Texas, all, all the state suspended evictions through the 18th of May right now. Yeah. And I, that was already that's extended from, I think it was originally the third of third of May and got extended to the 18th of May. And then the local municipalities will be a little bit different. And then a lot of our a lot of our loans, uh, I'm sure, like like yours are federally backed. You know, Fannie, Freddie, or HUD. So then those are that got extended. I think from early August all the way to August 23rd. So if you have a loan with a with a Fannie Mae loan, on, a property with a Fannie Mae loan on it, you can't evict until uh, the 23rd of of August at the earliest. So you know, I think we're going to see quite a few uh, people in our in our properties for a little little while. You know, we're trying to do our best to, to mitigate. Yep. That as much as possible, especially if they're in a, in a situation where they simply just won't be able to pay. Yeah. Kind of see if we can get them to just go ahead and vacate the unit and, you know, let us. Let us but a lot of people want to pay. And I, I think that's what I'm seeing too. It across my board is like, we've actually done a pretty good job. Most of our, most of our people want to stay and live. And we have some isolated, like we have a property in Louisiana, you know, in a rural northeast of Louisiana, of New Orleans. And so it's been affected quite a bit, right? I can um, imagine. So, but, but still, it's gonna it's it's pulling through, and it's it's not detrimental. Like, oh my God, uh, life's over. And uh, that's what do you think about? I mean, like the long term of this whole thing. What does it do to your portfolio? You know, I mean, I think I think it really the 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 short run obviously is the more concern for me than the long run. You know, I mean, I think if we look back at this in five years or ten years, kind of depending on your time horizon. I mean, with the amount of amount of money they're injecting in the system, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars. I mean, they, I don't see any way this doesn't create, you know, quite a bit of asset price inflation, you know, especially coupled with the Fed saying they're going to keep interest rates low for, you know, the foreseeable future. So, you yeah. know, it seems like we're going to be almost in a permanently low interest rate environment, at least for many years, with a ton of, of money going in the system. I mean, I think once we kind of come out of the back end of this, I mean, I don't see any ways that, you know, the, the asset prices, I mean, my, my prediction being, say, 10 years from now, I think we'll probably triple the, the price we were, you know, three months ago to 10 years from now. The question is, do you hang on for the, for the first 12 hang months? hang on to the next, uh, yeah. yeah, for the next three or four months to get through it, right? So if you can't hang on for 12, 12 months, you can't make 10 years. And if you can make, you know, make 12 months, you probably can make 10 years. If you make 10 years, you're going to get fabulously wealthy. And I think that's the real rub. That's where, so... In my mind, there's where some opportunities are for buying here in about four more months as it really, for anybody that bought a skinny deal um, where they were kind of maybe just maybe, I mean, listen, there's a lot of new investors out there coming in and scooping things up, probably overpaying paying for a little too much. And those ones, those, those investors, I think are going to be in, in really worlds of hurt, probably some opportunity for, for people like us. But uh, at the same time, I think you're right. You're right. It's really about you got to be able to, to weather the storm for this next year. If you can do that, God's probably going to give you a nice gift. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't see any way, especially if you're in a in an area that is uh, you know kind of the path of progress. So if you're in the areas that were 
Um, you know, our investment thesis has been being in, you know, tenant landlord business environment, uh, friendly environments with population growth and job growth. And, you know, I think as we start onshoring jobs, uh, you know, I think we all found through this whole process, we had a very efficient system, especially in the supply chain, just wasn't very resilient. So as we yep. start taking the jobs from overseas and kind of bring them back home or closer to home, you know, those jobs, those manufacturing jobs aren't going to go to California or New York or Connecticut. They're going to go to Arizona, Texas, Florida, places like that, you know, yeah. that, that are a little bit more business friendly. And I think that the great migration that's been happening, the economic migration from the high uh, home value states into the more affordable part of the country, I think that's going to continue. It's going to continue. For, I yeah. totally think and, so as well. And, and it'll be disproportionate winners. And I think us and, and Texas and you and Arizona and people in Florida, I think well, Arizona's continue crazy right that. now. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I think that that long run, you know, those, those places will outpace the, the greater economy. But I think, you know, people, the, the income inequality everyone's so worried about the the current prescription uh, prescription to the to the the, the medicine to the, the pain that we're in economically can do nothing to solve income inequality. It's going to just further exacerbate it. So those with you know real assets that are levered with cheap interest rates. I mean, I don't see how we they don't go up. But right. it would fundamentally change our entire system, which is. Hell, I, I wouldn't say that would be a possibility four years ago, but right now that's that's possible, right? I mean, who yeah. knows? Yeah. You know, uh, is most of your portfolio, is it um, B-class, A-class? Where are you? You know, we started out We started out uh, seven, eight years ago. We bought a lot of workforce housing. Um, so real Texas is 60s and 70s vintage. We yep. pretty much sold all that. We have one asset left, left in that. And then we transitioned to the 80s, so called that B-class in, in Texas. Yep. We sold most of that, about half of that. And then we started buying A-minus, so kind of that early 2000s. So we have anywhere from brand new to kind of early 2000s, the majority. But we do still have a handful of B-deals, which actually got stuck with uh, four of them. Four of them that we would have had out, uh, and then Corona came and took them away from me. Uh, the, the sale away from me. We had two, three in escrow, and one on the market, and they all they all blew up on me, which was unfortunate. Uh, two, two of them I missed by 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 two days. You know, the oh, buyer's lender. Yeah, the buyer was supposed to close on the nineteenth of March, and our lender froze up on the seventeenth of March. So we uh, we missed it by two days. But uh, so, you know, we have a little bit of everything, but you know, the the we have more, more newer than than older, and that's been a good trade for us. I mean, the last several years, what, what I saw, Corey, was, you know, uh, a marketplace didn't make sense to me that you could pay the same or similar cap rate for for every deal, regardless of vintage, you know? So, like, uh, right. you pay the same cap rate for something built in 1974 that you could for something in 2004. So, it didn't make sense to us. We sold old, bought new, and kind of kind of traded that up. And yeah. that was a, a wise move. Um, hopefully, we'll be, be proven right. Yeah, no, I know. Well, I think even right now, too, the, the nicer asset class that you have, uh, I think you're going to be protected more than you think, um, just because they're, you know, the people that are getting decimated right now are in that workforce housing, right? They're the ones that lose, they're losing their jobs. And, you know, I look back, half my portfolio right now is student housing. Right. And um, I've been worried as I'll get out what's going to happen. Like, I just need colleges to say that they're opening back up for fall. As long as that happens, it may become a jewel in the Nile because uh, what's been happening, right? Like what we've seen is mom and dad are still paying the, the leases because they have their personal guarantees on them. So we're gonna we're getting our rents for those, but um, but yeah, I mean, like that's for me that's my biggest rub. Right. I mean, I'm sure leasing leasing is obviously you got to move them all in, move them all out. Well, they're all in. They're all out. Month. They're not even at campus. I mean, they're gone. Like it's ghost town city, and but yet 
mom and dad are still paying the rents. And it's, it's a really crazy phenomenon. I was like, this is either going to come back and I'll be like, I'm going to talk about this a year from now and be like, remember that time that my student housing crushed when he thought it was just going to go, you know, be ghost town decimated. Yeah. So, but as long, I mean, as long as schools open back up, I think I'm okay. If they don't, I'm going to have some calls with the lenders. It's going to be <laughs> those types of calls. Like, Hey, we got to figure out a workaround. Sure. Speaking of working around, um, what have your lenders, you know, obviously you've been communicating with lenders and, and what's going on. What's your sentiment and uh, of their, uh, their tone and what are they saying? You know, I think across the board, all of them are, are you know, there to, to offer forbearance if needed, to, you know, kind of work with, work with everyone so far. So fortunately, you know, April went so much better than expected one. And then two, you know, we, we had almost across the board uniformly had a substantial amount of liquidity in each one of our entities. One or two are a little tighter than I would like them to be just because we had owned them for a while and yep. converted amortization. I've kind of done a, a value add already. So we spent all of our money, but. You know, across the board, everyone is, is working with us. You know, we're fortunate that we're not going to likely need forbearance, at least, at least if anything, if it stays anywhere close to the kind of April collection number for the foreseeable future, we should be fine. You know, I think, I think kind of to use a topical analogy, um, I think the, the, the forbearance is kind of like the ventilators that you're reading so much in the news that once you go on it, you know, people that go on it, only 15, 20% of them live, right? And I think that's probably going to be a similar stat. On people that go on forbearance, you know, most of those people go on forbearance. You have a you have a fundamental issue with your asset. You're likely not going to come out of that alive. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying 100 percent of them, but a pretty high percentage probably never will be able to get into this or uh, rehab their, their their situation. Once you're going in that path, it's really hard to stop the bleeding, right? For sure. For anybody, uh, so operationally, what changes or you know what are you guys doing at the property level to help you know collect those rents and you know, get things tidy. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing was, you know, back in March when everything started kind of hitting the fan mid March was life and safety, securing for the residents, the, the onsite staff, shutting the amenities down, shutting the offices down. So offices were open, but they were shut down to the public. So that was kind of the first thing we did. Then it was, you know, going out, you know, trying to collect rent. So, you know, luckily a lot of this is all electronic, you know, if this would have been 12 years ago, it would have been a little more challenging or most people pay with paper checks. Now most people pay electronically. Um, oh, let's so, stop know. right there for the, I mean, let me just like reiterate that because I think that that's been our saving grace as well. And I still know a lot of operators that don't do it this way, but like setting yourself up on automatic or setting your tenants up on uh, an ACH or some type of portal is like, tell me that's not the thing, man. Like that's it. Right? No question. Right. And this would have been a much bigger challenge 10 years ago than it is today. And then, you know, online virtual leasing, um, you know, it's crazy that our, our actual leasing traffic is probably down, Corey, 50, 60%, you know, from this time last year. But our leasing is only down maybe 10%. Yeah. So, you know, we're actually, you know, what's telling is when anyone that's actually, actually out there looking is serious about moving, you know, there's no look you lose anymore. So if you're looking for an apartment, you're, you're serious about, about actually leasing. So that's, that's, that's probably been the biggest surprise out of all of this, to be honest with you, is our leasing hasn't just absolutely fallen to the floor. We've actually hung on. Yeah. Well, you've seen people you really, it's forcing people to change the way they do things, right? So, like, think about Amazon. Amazon's crushing right now, right? And, I mean, there was some, I've been an early adopter of Amazon. I've bought more things the last couple of years off of Amazon than I can think about buying. But, dude, now everybody is buying off of Amazon. And just like, same thing with apartment leasing. Used to, you get in your car and you drive to some apartments. Now you're like, screw that. We're not driving anywhere, but like, let's go surf on the net. And if that's where SEO, um, having good websites, having um, virtual tours, 
that means everything right now, right? Oh, no, no question. You know, and then now, now in Texas, we we're just opening up now this week, kind of, kind of the first, uh, first part of normality where restaurants can be 25% occupied and normal occupancy and retailers. And we'll go to 50% here in, in May, assuming that we don't kind have any sort of setback. I know. So we're starting to, starting to kind uh, of get just gave us two more weeks. Two more weeks. Yeah. Two more weeks of pain. We, we were all hoping tomorrow was going to be the day that we can yeah. get rid of our bad haircuts. And, but, uh, but, but yeah, so I think we're starting to kind of come out of it. So we're actually starting to kind of contingency plan or plan for when do we actually open up the offices? When do we start opening up the amenities? When do we start letting the maintenance guys do non-emergency work orders and things like that, you know, so that, that I, it seems like we, we've been here for 10 minutes and sometimes it feels like it's been 10 years, but we're yeah. starting to kind of, kind of plan for kind of some sort of normal normality, which is a good feeling and a good conversation to have versus what all we've been talking about, which is, you know, what are we going to collect rent in April? So it's just, it's encouraging that we're starting to see some green shoots, I guess. Uh, yeah. Bring back community, bring back uh, your, your properties and bring them back to life, right. And make, make sure that we are doing a great job doing that. You know, it's one of the funny things is I was talking with my property manager. We we're just talking about the life safety piece of what we're doing. And so we had one of, one of our managers, he decided to uh, open up the pool, right? Okay. And uh, and so we're like, hold on, man. Like, you got to, you just can't open up the pool. He went rogue for a minute. He thought he was, you know, thought he was really trying to get, you know, the property ready. And, but the liability side of that, opening up the pool, what if someone comes and sits on a chair? Um, we don't have a process to wipe and clean that chair. And, yeah. you know, like someone dies because of COVID. Yeah. What's reliable? Your property. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Hopefully, hopefully with the next, I mean, I'm sure we're going to see more stimulus. It seems like they're working on the round four of this. And I think I heard that uh, McConnell is going to make them have sort of a liability waiver. So people that do actually operate and do business won't get sued or won't be on the hook for, for stuff like that. Yeah. It's crazy that, that that's the point is, uh, you know, never in our, this is the first for me, right? Like we've been to something like this really weird, really strange. But at the same time, you know, what have we done for all the other viruses out there? Nothing. So this is, we're in strange water, but eventually we're going to have to get back to work sometime. Like it's going to happen eventually. And then what does that look like? And I just, I know there's going to be still a lot of finger pointing and a lot of, you know, because of this, I did this, right? You know, like hopefully again, McConnell or, you know, our, our legislators will understand the risk of having anybody be liable for that, right? Yeah, you you would hope so, and then you know I think uh, on the positive side that you know as we're sitting here doing a whole lot of nothing, at least on the but the transactional side, I'm starting to kind of see you know maybe maybe the light starting to come out the end of the tunnel where I, I think hopefully in the second quarter I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of activity, basically nothing except for less of like a holdover. Uh, the last couple of deals mandated from from pre-COVID, and then I think maybe we see the faucet completely off, maybe we see a drip in the third quarter and then maybe a small trickle in the fourth quarter. And then hopefully 2021, we start seeing deals going. And I think with the amount of capital that was, that was already interested in this, this cycle yep. with, with uh, the relative performance of multifamily compared to say uh, retail or a hospital, forbid a hotel or hospitality, um, you know, it's going to further allocate more money to multifamily relative to, to that. And then with the rates being so damn low, um, you know, I think we're going to start, Getting back, is going to be coming down yeah. the road some sometime. It may not be for another year or so, but when it does, I think it's going to be strong. And it's going to be uh, vibrant. Yeah, so I think in the in the medium to long term, everything's just going to be fine. So I think it's just everyone just needs to, to batten down the hatches, get through the storm, and 
you know, hopefully there'll be a few opportunities, but I don't think the, the window is going to be as long as it was this last cycle. I mean, the last cycle, that window was pretty damn long. It was three yeah. four years before prices really started moving. I don't think we have that kind of, that kind of time. I think it's, you know, a year, maybe, maybe two tops before pricing starts really moving back up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. You know, uh, so here, just on a, on a, with all this time for a lot of investors, and I, I know like you're, you're always moving. I'm always moving. We're doing a lot of stuff. What's it been like not to have a whole lot to do? How does that, how does that affect you? It, it's good and bad. You know, it's, uh, I always thought in the next recession, I, you know, kind of take some, some time and be, you know, go out to Europe, the woods, go to the Grand Canyons. I've never seen it or go to Hawaii and hang out. I know we're both fans of, of Kauai, right? So I uh, still have plans to go out there this summer. I know you were out there for spring break. Yep. But now we're sitting here at home. You can't go do anything. So it's kind of like you have all this time, have the kids. The kids aren't in school. We can homeschool them from anywhere, but there's there's nowhere to go and nothing to do. So it's kind of kind of kind of frustrating to me, to be honest. Yeah, that's the you. tough part. Is even though you know it's like, hey, we got family time, but after about day five, <laughs> right, the kids are done. It's not that yeah. you're done; they're done, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, I'm bored. You know, that's already happening in our house. Uh, same thing. And, you know, everybody's dealing with the same, these same issues. Luckily, I feel like I live in a great state. I've been jumping in my Jeep and, uh, and just kind of rock crawling all over the, wherever there's dirt in the path. I think that's, that's what we've been, we've been doing. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to getting to Hawaii. Hopefully the beaches will open up We're we're scheduled to go kind of late June over, over the 4th of July. And hopefully the beaches will be open because I certainly want to go there. Well, not, trust we'll me, Hawaii, when we beaches. were there and COVID was going to starting, no one cared. Like it yeah. was, it was like, yo, bro. Uh, yeah, we're, we're on the Island. It's cool. Yeah. Right? I mean, nothing was, uh, there was no lines. Toilet paper was plentiful. It was, it was honestly actually amazing. So I think you'll find it that that's the same and prices to get there have like plummeted. So if you oh, not yeah. bought your plane tickets, you're going to be happy. Unfortunately I did, but we'll have to rework all that anyway. Cause, <laughs> uh, schedules are all screwed up. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you know, any advice for people that are um, just getting into the business and looking, you know, how do they take advantage of this opportunity? What, what can you give them as a recommendation? You know, I think, I think that uh, just because there's no transactions going on, I think now is probably a better time than anything. You need to stay in motion. You know, it's one of the things I'm, even though there's nothing really to, to necessarily work on from a, from a transactional side. I'm having daily conversations with all the brokers. I'm trying to get out there, maintain, stay relevant in the marketplace. Because if you're not relevant in the marketplace, when when stuff turns back on, you're not going to be top of mind, right? There'd be a lot of people that have their hands up saying they're ready to go by. But if you're not actively working and and having those broker communications, staying on top of the market and understanding what's what's going on with the debt, and you know, making sure you have uh, your your database kind of kind of communicated to, then you won't be able to take advantage of those, these types of opportunities. You know, and I think I think coming out of this, you know, people are going to need to reset their expectations, in particular on the debt side, because you know all this non-recourse bridge loans that you could do, uh, you know, are, are gone, right? So you get your Fannie, you got Freddie, and uh, and then you know I think that the next guys that are going to be loaning money are just the banks, the regional banks that'll make you sign personal guarantees. So if you need to buy a broken deal, a bridge, you know, and put a bridge loan on it, it's not going to be a non-recourse eighty-five percent bridge loan from some debt fund that that was so relevant the last eighteen months. Those yep. days are gone, right? So you yeah, know, you I actually have get- a refi right now in process that was a bridge to perm that we just we finally just went to a regional bank and but I'm putting a personal guarantee yep. um, to get it done, and so that's just what it is. And um, you know, I've accepted the responsibility of it. 
And that's the only one that I had that's that's didn't get like squared. All my other properties, I'm in long-term debt right now, and I'm great. Most of them are Freddie Fannie, but this was the last property I had, and I didn't quite get past the yeah. past COVID. So, um, and that it really is a reminder that there is risk in those short-term loans too, right? Anytime you have to put um, short-term debt, uh, you know, bridge to perm or some type of that, that scenario, things have changed in how you're going to underwrite those deals. Um, and that's what I learned, right? I was a banker before I got into the ownership. That's kind of what I did. I made loans. And 12 years ago, I was a Grim Reaper doing problem loan workout, right? And so that was some of the lessons I, I took away from that. Because the capital markets are, are, you know, full flowing, you know, three months ago. And then when they turn off, it's not like a slow, it's like immediate shut off. Yeah. And it's a, it's a slow turn back on, right? So, you know, it's going to be personal guarantees on, on regional bank loans. And then there's Fannie and Freddie. But even Fannie and Freddie put under... under uh, underwriting overlays interest on reserves, it, yeah, interest yeah. reserves and taxes and you know increased reserves, and then that'll slowly go away once we get some new normalization. We got we'll an approval getting... letter two days before the interest reserves for Freddie came in, and I was like, "Oh gosh, that's a blessing." Because we're, oh, no. we're right up against the wall, and we're like, finally, we got our approval letter, and then two days later, they announced that Freddie was adding their interest reserves on top for any new loans, and that uh, we didn't get caught up in it. I was like, so thankful. Yeah, but you know, you, I think that's what you'll see too, and maybe that's a clue. The the next cycle, when you start seeing these debt funds come back in the marketplace with eighty five percent, you know, loan to cost on you know pro forma, you know, uh, that's kind of probably the sign that we're kind of close to the end and the beginning of a cycle. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I think, but fortunately, the the system you know, system wide, it wasn't broken from a, a debt standpoint relative. The, the you know the, two, the early two thousand cycle where well, that certainly was a, a debt driven issue. Yeah, exactly. Where the banks were just reckless. In this case, the, the fundamentals are pretty solid on the underwriting. You know, generally speaking, system wide. Yeah, but, they were know, just so, being loosey goosey with everything. It's just, but, but, but on the margins, there were some issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the margins, there there were some issues, and that's kind of where I think the opportunity most likely will lie is and buying stuff from lenders like that. Yep, I, I totally agree. Well, listen, uh, man, I really appreciate your time. Hey, uh, if you're listening right now, uh, you've got to check out, and we'll put it in the show notes, the uh, other interview that I did with Michael, because it was really a great interview on uh, the unfair advantage of broker relations. You know, you just talked about that that subject, but uh, it's a great interview. If, you, if you've not listened to it, go back and, and find that. It'll be in the show notes, what, uh, what uh, show episode that was. Because it really is an unfair advantage. The one, you know, one thing that I know about Michael is when he talk, when he's saying about you know talking to brokers and making those uh, connections and keeping in touch, he's not kidding. He really means that, and it really is an unfair advantage in how to get deals from uh, from people. Because that's really what's happening is it's people. We deal with people, and if they know, like, and trust you, and know that you can perform, and you've made friends with them, it's an unfair advantage, right, brother? We're doing uh, lawn chair happy hours with some of the brokers now. Instead of going to the bar, we're uh, doing the driveway and and uh, our own coolers and staying six feet apart. But uh, you know, this is probably one of the hardest parts. To be honest with you, is I'm you know I was a guy that was on an airplane. You know, every you know couple couple times a month, I was you know going to Austin. We had properties in Austin. I'm going there a couple times a month. I had a business dinner, you know, once or twice a week. I go to the happy hour once or twice a week. So it's kind of getting away from the social part of this has obviously probably been one of the harder things for kind of reset my lifestyle. And I'm looking forward to, to go getting a steak and uh, steak at a nice restaurant some someday here soon. Yeah. So uh, real couple, couple last things. I'll let you, we'll, we'll, we'll get off this thing is uh, 
give me a book that you highly recommend. Someone, someone should read. You know, I think the 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 I'm not the biggest reader, but the one that I did read that I thought uh, got it right was uh, you know our, my buddy Ken McRoy here out in Unica of the Woods. I think Ken wrote some good books. Uh, the ABC's Real Estate Investing and the Advanced Real Estate Investing Guide. So we have uh, probably 90, 95% um, synergy in what Ken does, the way we, I run my business. So I think he's a, he uh, was very eloquent in the way he, he broke down a, a pretty sound business model and, and certainly the advanced real estate investor guide. So I'd recommend those books. Yeah, huge. No, those are great reads too, by the way. And uh, any last uh, just uh, words of wisdom from, from Mr. Michael Becker to uh, the people that are listening? You know, this is a cycle, uh, Marcus uh, cycle. So we're, we had one hell of a good run the last uh, decade or so, and this will pass. And I think we're going to, you know, kind of wake up one day and this will be a bad memory and uh, we're going to be on the back end of it. But, uh, you know, I think these are good lessons. So if you can make it through this cycle, you know, you can make it through almost anything. So you can come out of the backside of this uh, a warrior, you know, and I think there's a lot of lessons and a lot of people, unfortunately, I think we'll get stuck with those handful of deals and can't make that 10 year time horizon because they couldn't make the next 12 months. So I think, you know, I think you, if you could do the basics, make sure you have, you know, some liquidity set aside, don't over leverage a deal, buy in good locations, um, you know, don't overpay for the deals, things like that, have proper management in place. I think if you do all those things and you can make it through this, you can make it through almost, almost any cycle. So, um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's it. And then if you haven't started, I would, I would certainly encourage you to get, you know, baseball education and, you know, be ready to start taking some action because I don't think we're going to have, you know, four or five years like we did last time where before prices really started going. I think you got a year, maybe two before prices kind of snap back in, in a major way just because yeah. of all the amount of, amount of capital injected into the system. It's, it's got to find a way, a way it's to going somewhere. To go somewhere. It's artificially going to keep everything posted up. So, and, That's right. and, and everybody's, I mean, government's right now just writing checks, dude. We're printing paper so fast. That's so right. It's going to make inflation happen uh, and then low rates coupled with that. So, well, listen, man, thank you for coming on. Guys, uh, you know, I, I truly believe all these these concepts, these strategies, everything that, that Michael talked about of, of trying to be a good operator, understanding that we're, you know, that markets are have cycles. Um, it's just part of investing 101. Um, but to get into the game, you've got to start making a choice. You got to make a choice that real estate's for you. You take all that you've learned, then you got to actually put it in practice. That's the hard part is to take action, but it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. You know, the biggest thing that you have is what's in between your two ears. It's a supercomputer. Your brain is a, a supercomputer that you have to engage and put it in gear because if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.